they will establish strongholds of lies or strongholds of deceit or strongholds of fear or strongholds of rejection or strongholds of addiction or strongholds of whatever it may be. The enemy chooses to first of all bring the wrong thought and establish that working of that wrong thought in that person's life until they have rooted and, and built into their life something that's holding them in bondage, mm -hmm. something that is a fortress of the enemy behind, in, behind the territory line. But you can see behind the territory line, the enemy has gotten into that person's life and established his stronghold so that he can get his topos, his place, it says, give the devil no place, and that word is the word topos, and it's talking about topography, like a map. And it says, don't give the devil any geographical location. <laughs> Amen? So don't give him any place in your mind. What do you do? You cast down imaginations. You take thoughts captive. You pull down strongholds that have been built by those wrong thoughts. And then what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to just have, have no strongholds? What we want to do is what Isaiah 55, that pastor was talking about this morning, it says, God has offered us his thoughts. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. So let's look over here at God's thoughts in Isaiah 55, because this is an offer. He says... My thoughts are not your thoughts, verse 8 of Isaiah 55, neither are your ways my ways. And they're connected. God's thoughts are connected to his ways. And so in order for us to walk in his ways or to act out his, his ways, we need to use the building blocks of his thoughts to establish his ways in our life. Yes. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So the thoughts of God and the ways of God are offered to us, and we begin to receive of God's thoughts, and we establish strongholds of God's building yes. in our life. So that we have a safe place. 1 Peter 2.24 is a safe place for us. We should not wait until sickness comes to build a stronghold of 1 Peter 2.24 in our life. We should have Isaiah 53.4 and, and 5 and 1 Peter 2.24 and Matthew 8.14. We should have them uh, erected. We should have a stronghold established of those truths in our life so that at any moment we can run into them. We can just go ahead and live right there out of 1 Peter 2.24. We should have 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 13. That should be one of the most important strongholds we build first and foremost because love never fails. <laughs> love is never going to become obsolete or, or invaluable. Love is, is a vital stronghold to establish in our life. And so having 1 Peter or 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in a position where it is marking 
a, 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 a standard. It is established as a stronghold in my life. When the opportunity comes for me to hold on to bitterness, it will protect me from that decision yeah. because I'm, I am entrenched in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So holding a bitterness is not an option for me. It, it's not an option. I cannot hold on to unforgiveness because it's dominating my life. It is an established stronghold in which I, I take my refuge in. And because of that, I've got to be kind when I might want to give a, 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 a curt response. I, 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 I got a stronghold of love in my life, so I can't tell you what I might be thinking. I've got to tell you what is a soft answer that turns away wrath, so I've got to cast down any imaginations that are going to violate that stronghold. Amen? Because I've already established, I've already chosen to build that into my life. Amen? So this establishing of the word is something that we need to be doing. And this should alter the way that we approach our study time or our time of devotion because we're trying to see ahead. We're looking at a panoramic picture. We're looking at the territory of our life and we're saying, do I have this established in my life? Is the peace of God that passes all understanding uh, guarding my heart and my mind? Do I need to establish the stronghold of peace in my life? Do I need to establish the stronghold of love in my life in a greater measure? And what are these? And so I'm going to the word and I'm storing in my heart. David said, thy word have I, I hid in my heart. The one translation I found, it says that I stored it in the bank vault of my heart. Like you would take something and put into the, the, the lockbox in the bank because you want it kept safe. You don't want anything to destroy it. So you put it in that place. It's under lock and key. It's a valuable. It's something that you don't want to have to try to replace it, right? And so that's the attitude that we come to with the Word of God, that I am, I am establishing this Word and I'm depositing it in the bank vault of my heart. I'm hiding it in my heart so that it can become a stronghold in me, so that I have a stronghold of the Word, I have a stronghold of faith, so that I have a stronghold of love, so that I have a stronghold of peace, so that God's strongholds are established in me and I'm safe in them. That's God's way of establishing this fortress or this high tower or this stronghold in our life. He's given us His Word. And one of the, the other important strongholds uh, that would need to be established in our life, I want to go uh, specifically towards the direction of a stronghold of righteousness because it affects everything you pray for. It affects every spiritual activity. If you don't have an establishing of the righteousness of God in Christ, who you are, as, as something that you are certain and confident in, it will affect your receiving, it will affect your resisting the devil, it will affect so many different areas because it is a primary component of faith. It is a primary component of spiritual um, jurisdiction. 
You've got to know you are the righteousness of God in Christ to operate kingdom principles in general. And so Isaiah 54, let's look in verse 14 of Isaiah 54. It says, in righteousness you will be established. Established. In righteousness you will be established. And the word, the word means firm, stable, fixed. In righteousness you'll be fixed. In righteousness you'll be established. You'll be firm. It's an anchor point to your faith. It establishes us in kingdom position. When I know what the blood has done to make me righteous, I stand before God so confidently, not arrogantly, not demanding from a, an inappropriate tone, but because of the blood of Jesus, because of the cleansing that that blood has accomplished, because it has cleansed me so completely, the emotions that try to tell me I'm not worthy don't stand in the presence of the knowledge of the blood of Jesus. That, that cleansing of the blood instead produces a godly confidence in the righteousness I am in Christ. And it's an establishing. It's, it fixes me. It settles me. It, 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 is, it, it positions me in God. Hallelujah. It says we will be established in righteousness. And notice the result that verse 14 says of this establishing in righteousness. When you are established, established in righteousness, you will be far from oppression. Amen. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> you know, oppression just, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't ask permission. It just tries to creep in on you. It just tries to sit like a heaviness over your life, that oppression. But when you're established in righteousness, it, there is a supernatural keeping you from it. Amen? You'll be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. So not only is oppression kept at bay, but fear is not operating. It says you shall not fear. It didn't say fear wouldn't come near you. It says it's not going to operate in you. You will not fear because the righteous one, what would you fear? The, it, Psalms 27 says, the Lord, it, it, the, no, the, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and salvation. Who? Who? I'm looking, who? Who shall I fear? No, no. I can't find, I'm looking. Who shall I fear? Why? Because the Lord is my light. He is my salvation. A righteous person believes that. Somebody who doesn't think they're righteous, they, they, they don't believe that. They're not confident in that. They might say, well, the Lord might not help me today because, you know, I hadn't been so good. And I failed here. And I didn't, I didn't do this. And I didn't do that. And they've got all of these feelings telling them they don't feel righteous. And so it, they're establishing their spiritual 
activity and position on something that's emotional, which is up and down and changing and temporal, and it is not working for them. But when you're righteous, you will be far from oppression for when you are established in the righteousness you are. Let me say it that way, because there are some righteous people who aren't established in it. They're not even convinced of it. They've been made righteous. They've been blood-bought, washed in the blood, but they don't know it. And if you don't know it, you can't walk in it. You can't stand in it. You can't enjoy it, right? And so if in righteousness you'll be established, you'll be far from oppression, for you shall not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near you. This gives an image of a boundary around your life, a protection around your life. Did Job have a protection around his life? Was it stated that uh, the enemy had not been able to get near him? That God had this protection around him, this blessing wall around him that kept him and guarded him? And when he feared it opened an entrance for the enemy to get into that blessing wall. But listen, we don't have to fear Amen. and we don't have to give any place to the enemy. Right. We can just build this stronghold of righteousness and live in it. Yeah. And you can live every day the rest of your life and never be afraid another day in your life. Amen. You can live the rest of your life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week in full light and confidence of the righteousness you are in Christ. And that will cause you to, to, whatever comes, you can obtain the victory in it. Whatever comes, whatever difficulties may come, you can overcome them because thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. He gives us the victory despite the battle. Battles may come. Battles will come. We live in a fallen uh, earth. We live in a place where there is a, a curse that is operative. We live in a place where the enemy is, is, is operating. But that does not dictate what happens in our life. In our life, the blessing governs us. Jesus is Lord. And no matter what comes, we can overcome it. No matter what difficulties we may face, we know the one who will give us the victory and has given us the victory in Christ Jesus. And this is the victory, even our faith. And so he says this being established in righteousness sets us in a place at where we are out of reach for oppression and terror to operate in our life. Colossians 1.13 tells us about this uh, change of dominion, that it's not just a promise that we receive when we move to heaven, but this is a current present-day reality for us. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says he has delivered us from the power and this word power is the word exousia he has delivered us from the authority of darkness the authority 
darkness, we're no longer under its authority. It has no authority in your life. The curse has no authority in your life. It can be, uh, it can be the flow of the world. It can be a result of the curse, but it doesn't have any authority to govern your life. If you don't know your jurisdiction, it's hard to tell it it has to leave. But for the person who knows their jurisdiction, it begins to rise up in them with a spiritual indignation. That's not supposed to be operating here. That's not allowed in my life. Fear is not allowed to be operative in my heart. Amen? Whatever it may be. We are delivered from the authority of it. Delivered means uh, rescued. We're rescued from it. We are no longer under the authority of anything the curse offers. And anything the enemy tries to do. He can't just do anything he wants to do. That's the whole, uh, that, that's what people should get out of the conversation we see between God and the devil where Job was concerned. He was not capable of just doing whatever he wanted to do, and that was under the old covenant. We've got the blood of Jesus in our covenant. How much more? We've, we've been made heirs and joint heirs in our covenant. We're children of God. We're not just Old Testament saints. We're New Testament children. Amen? And how much more does he not have any right, any legal authority, any jurisdiction in our life? We have been rescued from the authority, the jurisdiction of darkness, and God has translated us. He has transferred us. He has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So he has moved us from one place into another place of legal jurisdiction. So who has legal jurisdiction in my life? Now, today, Jesus. Jesus is the one who is legally authorized to direct what is entering and exiting my life. He is legal, and what he desires to bring as the the governing force of my life is his peace and his blessing. Amen? His love to establish his kingdom in my life. So I am in his jurisdiction. I am established under his dominion. Going back to Isaiah 54, I want to look at one other verse in Isaiah 54. Because it is an essential part of what we believe about righteousness. Verse 17 says that no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. 
Their righteousness is of me. This is an, an important component to our faith. Our righteousness is not of and from within ourselves. He has supplied righteousness for us. We, we have, we know from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, we have been made the righteousness which of, is of God. Isaiah, or 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He hath made Jesus, Him, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. So this is what we are made. This is not something that we have in measure so that we say, well, I spent some of my righteousness. I used some of my righteousness or, you know, I'm running low on righteousness. It's not something that we, we have that we can pick up and put down or that we can pull out of our pocket or, or use it and then we've run low on it. This is not something that we, we have it in a measurement or in a portion, but this is what we've been made. We've been made righteous. The righteousness of God. So we've been made the righteousness of God in the same way Jesus was made to be sin. He wasn't sin and he never sinned. But as he took the position as a lamb and the scapegoat, the sin was placed upon him and he became sin. He wasn't sin. He didn't do anything to deserve what he got and neither did we. We didn't do any, anything to deserve the righteousness we've been made. We didn't qualify for it. We didn't merit it. It wasn't something we earned. It wasn't something that we, we learned enough scriptures to, to obtain it or that we prayed enough hours to uh, warrant it. No. He became sin. That's how we became righteous. That's it. This is how he, he became sin, and that's how I became righteous. Bottom line. Bottom line. So he became sin with my sin, with your sin, with our sin. He, be, he became sin with our sin. And we've been, because of him becoming that, we became righteous with his righteousness. Not our righteousness. Not a generic form of righteousness. Not the cheap brand that you can buy and just save yourself a couple of a quarters, you know. And it's a little bit watered down. You know, have you, have you always, some of that uh, generic, it's probably the name brand and they added water to it. It's watered down, it's got a little lesser, and you think, well, you know, I don't have Jesus' righteousness because, you know, Jesus' righteousness, it's top dollar righteousness. It's top brand. It's name brand. Top shelf righteousness. That's yours. That's your righteousness. You got top shelf righteousness. Name brand righteousness. Why? Because we've got the same righteousness. And how we got it 
It's of God. We, the righteousness you do have, it's not, it's not your quality. It's his quality. His quality. His, the righteousness of God. So he, he gifted you with his own righteousness. He gifted you with his own righteousness. Woo, glory. Hallelujah. The righteousness they have, it's from me. It's mine. It's my quality of righteousness. It's the same righteousness that Jesus has. It's the same righteousness that God has. God is righteous, judge. Amen. He is righteous. And we are righteous with his righteousness. Hallelujah. And you have to have the word to be able to see it. You can't see that without looking through the word to find it. You can't see that with your emotions. You can't see that with your feelings. You can't hype yourself up enough to believe that. You have to have the word of God established as a stronghold in your life so that when things come and your emotions want to tell you something different, your spirit will, will stand in that refuge of righteousness that you have been building by putting these scriptures in your heart and you'll say, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and I'm going to go to God in that righteousness. I'm going to approach Him in that righteousness. I am going to enter in boldly to receive from my Father who loves me because He made me righteous. Amen? And that's the confidence to enter into the presence of God. So without it, people come timidly. And you don't get the same things if you come timidly because you don't even ask for the same things. And asking is a rule of the kingdom. So you got to be able to ask. And you got to ask with confidence. And you've got to ask being able to see your relationship with God clearly. So this is a vital component. And it's a protection for us. It's a stronghold for us. It's of God. 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. But of him, speaking of God, of him meaning out from him as a source, out from God as a source are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So he's been made unto us righteousness. Hallelujah. Philemon 3, I'm sorry, uh, Philippians 3, not Philemon 3. Philemon only has one. Philippians 3, 9. Philippians 3, 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Again, it's God's righteousness, and now we see how we access. The access point is faith that comes by the word. 
So the Word of God is providing me faith to know, to, to, to act upon, and to believe that I am the righteousness which is of God. This is the righteousness that we are. And then again in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 3 says, They were ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Isn't that interesting that we have to submit ourselves to that righteousness? That we have to submit ourselves. And that, that means when my emotions tell me something different, when I don't feel righteous, I, I don't depend upon them to determine my right standing. I depend upon the Word and I come back to the Word and I submit myself to the righteousness which His Word says I am in Christ Jesus. So they, they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. So my believing in Christ is the connection, the believing in what He did, what His blood has done and continues to do in my life, what His uh, work of, of redemption in the cross has done for me. That is the closing of the book to the Old Testament regulations and rules and things that I needed to keep and observe. But now in Christ, it's fulfilled. And in that fulfilling, the relationship with God is the correct relationship that He always desired. Because what Hebrews chapter 10 was talking about in the beginning portion of Hebrews chapter 10, it says the law had a shadow of the good things to come, but it could never, number one, perfect the people who came through the offering of animal blood. It could never perfect their relationship with God. But the blood of Jesus Christ has perfected our relationship with God. It has cleansed us from the sin consciousness. It says the law could never cleanse them from that sin consciousness because every year they had to come back and bring that offering again and, and remind themselves that I'm just a sinner. But the blood of Jesus has purged our consciousness from dead works so that we can serve the living God. And through that purging of our consciousness, we can walk in this uprightness. We can walk in this right standing with God. Hallelujah. So the law, Jesus is, is the, the, um, the, the entry point. He is the fulfillment of, of the relationship that I have with God. And so my walking in the righteousness, when people, and, and I think people in their mind have been convinced that it's humble to say things that, well, you know, I'm just, and to downplay, I'm just a sinner. I've not, well, we all sin and come short of the glory of God. That's out of context. Pastor brought it up today about doctrine. That's out of context. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. That's not the emphasis of the, the text. The emphasis is the righteousness we are in Christ. 
It's not the emphasis to, to give that focus to uh, the humanity part. The, God is honored and glorified when we receive all that Christ made ours. Oh, oh, to, to bring God, this is why God is pleased with faith. To come before him and say, Father, everything that Jesus died to make mine, I'm walking in it. The righteousness he's made me to be, the victory he's made mine, hallelujah, everything that he has made ours. Why? Because that, it, that honors every aspect of his death. It honors every, every sacrifice, every sacrificial point in the redemption. It honors it. It honors the stripes on his back. It honors the rejection and the beatings and the, the, uh, the, the people uh, humiliating him on the cross and, 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 and rejecting him and denying him and, and ridiculing him. And it, it honors sin coming on him and separating him from God. It honors his death and his suffering in hell. It glorifies God when we receive all of these things. So for us to bring God the greatest glory, we're going to have to walk in the full righteousness that's ours. We're going to have to live out the righteous gift that he has made ours in Christ. Amen? Praise God. So we see here Christ is the right standing. It says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Hallelujah. So the, the being justified, being justified by faith, this justification is, I actually want to back up because I've mentioned it, but I want to look a little closer at Romans 3. And let's read, first of all, the verse that is so often quoted as the reason we should walk in it. And I'm saying from a negative perspective. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and that is like on quick draw for some people. You know, they've got it. They, they got it. They're ready, you know. They're, 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 they're practiced on pulling that one out. Well, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and come short of It's like their one bullet Barney's got in his, his, his pocket. Got a bullet in his pocket, and it's Romans 3, 24. All have sinned and come short of the glory. But that's not the emphasis. Back up and look at verse 22. Actually, we'll start in 21. Oh, let's start in 20. Brother Copeland said we should read the Bible backwards sometimes. Uh, verse 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, is that the righteousness you've been made? The righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and prophets. Even the righteousness of God 
which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. This is the emphasis. The righteousness is now. Now the righteousness is manifest. Now. Now the righteousness is manifest. The righteousness of God which is by faith in Christ. This is manifest. This is available. This is now uh, on on operation it's operative on display in our life it's now manifest for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God that is not the emphasis of this text he's bringing us back down to say we've all all of us needed this righteousness we all needed it but now the righteousness is made available and and then verse 24 being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the emphasis is on righteousness and being justified because verse 20 said, by the deeds of the law, no man will be justified. So justified means this. It means to show to be right, to declare or pronounce righteous. Justified, if someone is justified, they are pronounced or declared righteous. Yes. And it said you can't get it by doing any of the regulations under the Old Testament law, but only by faith of Jesus Christ is this righteousness accessed. By faith in what Jesus did. Why? Because it's God's righteousness, not ours. Not righteousness that comes by doing good works or good deeds, but righteousness that comes by believing that Jesus' blood has washed us and cleansed us and justified us. It says we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption. So we're justified through the redemption and it's the goodness, the favor, the grace of God that's made it freely available for us. Amen? So again we see that it's God's righteousness and now we recognize that this righteousness is connected to the being justified. Being justified. Verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Now I have never seen the word propitiation except for the Bible till I came to church and started hearing it and it took me a while to learn how to pronounce it and then when I tried to learn how to say the mercy seat in Spanish it is the seat of propitiation and so it's a mouthful to try to say in Spanish propitiatorio or something like that and so I say mercy seat when I say it, I just say la silla de misericordia <laughs> Because propitiatorio is, is one that you really don't even use very much in Spanish. So I thought I would bring you a definition tonight to help you. Would, that, would anybody be glad to have a definition for propitiation? Propitiation means mercy seat. It refers to the atoning victim or the blood of the atoning victim on the mercy seat. And the Strong's Concordance says the Ark of the Covenant in the holiest sprinkled with the blood so when it's talking about propitiation it's including all of that the ark of the covenant in the holiness in the holiest the holy of holies sprinkled with blood 
So that's talking about the act of the justification under the Old Testament. But we know that that was just a picture of Jesus' blood on the real Ark of the Covenant in heaven, the real mercy seat in heaven. Vine's New Testament Dictionary of Words says, Christ through his expiatory death is the person is the personal means by whom God shows the mercy of justifying grace to the sinner who believes. That Christ, through his death, is the means by whom God shows his mercy of justifying. Hallelujah. So let's read this again. Whom God, talking about Jesus, God has set Jesus forth to be the atoning victim and his blood poured on the mercy seat and through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness. To declare his righteousness. To declare his righteousness. So let's read here. For the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness. He repeated it, didn't he? To declare his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Hallelujah. So because you and I believe that Jesus on the cross was there in my place, he died the cross, the death of the cross for me. He was punished on the cross for me. He became sin for me. And, and in that connection of believing it, God looks and says, I declare you righteous. And I declare you righteous. And I declare you righteous. And I declare you righteous. If you believe, God has declared you righteous. Hallelujah. And so can we let our emotions argue with God? If your emotions say, well, I don't feel very righteous today, you better sit down. You better be quiet. God declared me righteous. I haven't just been, you know, passed through some little righteous test. God himself declared me righteous. He said I'm righteous. So I won't let anybody else tell me otherwise. Amen. Glory to God. So God, the righteous judge, has declared us righteous. Praise God. Hallelujah. This stronghold, this, this stronghold is one that you need to give attention to. So that it's not just something that you know a little bit about the subject. It's not just something that, yeah, I've heard that taught and I, I probably have a series of it from the word supply that I put on my, yeah, I remember our being in Christ and, and uh, our position in Christ and, and I've heard that preached before and you might even be able to find some scriptures and hopefully it's not, we've all been, it's not the fast draw scripture of we've all sinned and come short of the glory. Hopefully it's not that one. Hopefully you've got one that's emphasizing the justification. But we need to have it 
as a such an established truth in our life. It needs to have a precedence. Because when we read in Romans 10 where it says the righteousness which is a, a, by faith speaks, it'll teach us. It'll teach us what not to say. When it says the righteousness which is of faith uh, uh, speaks, say, telling you do not say. Say not in your heart. So the righteousness of God operative in us will help us uh, uh, stay in line. Because I'm righteous, I can't talk that way. Because I'm the righteousness of God, I can't think like a victim. I can't give in to that, that victim uh, mindset. I can't feel sorry for myself today. I, I've, got, I've got to resist that. And that righteousness which is of God is, is an element that we need in prayer, in, in resisting the enemy, in receiving every promise if a person isn't established in righteousness it's going to affect every kingdom operation they they so this is a principal key isn't it this is a a um, landmark area that we need to entrench ourselves in that i am the righteousness of god in christ jesus hallelujah Ephesians 4, and we'll close here in verse 23 through 24 of Ephesians 4. I've said this many times and I'll say it again. Our faith works for many things. You can develop your faith for believing for material things, finances, health, different daily needs that you may have, and that's right. God, He gave us faith for us to use for that. But one of the greatest things you can use to faith to develop is your righteousness. One of the greatest things you can, can invest that faith into developing is the righteousness I am in Christ. Ephesians 4, 23 says, um, uh, verse 22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Hallelujah. This is instruction to the believer. And the instruction to the believer is that there are things that need to be put off Things that need to be removed. And Pastor was dealing with that this morning when he was talking about the growth and the maturity and the renewing of our mind and the saving of our soul by letting the Word be implanted in us. That is a putting off of the old. And then we have a responsibility to put on the new. 
And when I put in my Bible, I put I, I, out beside the word put off and put on, I put the word the throne. Put off the throne of my heart, <laughs> the old man. He shouldn't be, he shouldn't be directing anything. He shouldn't be making any decisions. He should not be in a position of authority. I put him off. And I, I put on the new, or in the driver's seat, you could say, in the decision-making capacity. The man, the person I am in Christ, the person I am because of the redemption work of Jesus Christ, the person I am as a daughter of God, a son of God, created in righteousness, I've got to put that person in the place of decision-making and directing of my life. Put on the new, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So developing a stronghold of righteousness is learning to live out of who I am as the righteousness of God in Christ. Never, never taking off you know, the, the breastplate of righteousness is another reference to how righteousness protects us. It refers to righteousness as a breastplate. And a breastplate protects the inner organs, the vital organs, the life-giving organs of your body. It protects your heart. It protects your kidneys. It protects your liver. It protects your lungs. Amen? Righteousness is not something that we uh, can treat as... A secondary element of what we know. Righteousness, the righteousness I am in Christ is a key element to my walk, to my daily walk. And so I need to learn how to live as a righteous person lives. And think of how many scriptures indicate the righteous, the righteous, the righteous. I mean, you start reading through Psalms and Proverbs and it starts telling you all the things about the righteous. Well, for the person who has that established, they will look and they'll say, that's talking about me. That's me. Because they have that stronghold in their understanding that I'm righteous. But how many, how many people who've been washed in the blood read that and they don't, they don't connect to it the way they should because they don't believe they're righteous? They don't have that stronghold. Hallelujah. And that's what we need. We need a stronghold of righteousness. We need to take like uh, the, the process we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. A thought becomes an imagination and that imagination is given continual activity until it becomes entrenched in that person's way of thinking. We need to pull righteousness truths into our thoughts and let them dictate how we see everything renewing our mind to the righteousness we are in Christ until we begin seeing imaginations of righteous people, like imaginations of laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. Righteous, righteous imaginations like, uh, 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 you know, whatever it is that God brings to you. Righteous imaginations of yourself coming out of debt in 2021. Righteous imaginations of your, yourself uh, uh, with, with the vehicle that you've been desiring or with a reconciliation in a relationship you've been believing for. or uh, see, th Those things are connected to righteousness. Fruits of righteousness are answered prayer. Fruits of righteousness. 
And it glorifies God when we bring forth much fruit. And how does that fruit come forth? Because we're connected to the vine. That's the righteous connection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we desire to live from this stronghold. We desire a stronghold of righteousness in our lives. Would you say that with me? Just lift your hand and say, Father, I desire a stronghold of the righteousness I am in Christ in my life so that I know and I walk in the light of what you've made me to be. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus that has washed us, establishing a righteousness connection in our lives, making us the righteousness of God in Christ.
Righteous vessels, I desire to speak. Through righteous vessels, I desire to shine forth. Through righteous vessels, I desire to call the end from the beginning and to speak marvelous things and to work mighty works. Through the righteous vessels, through the righteous vessels, I desire to minister of my goodness and of my favor and of my healing power and of my deliverance. Exploits, exploits, exploits. I desire to stretch forth my hand to heal. I desire to stretch forth my hand and deliver. I desire to do exploits. Will there be any who can stand and say, I know my God. I know the righteousness of God he's made me to be. I know his plan and his purpose. Will you answer the call to know me in a way that will cause a boldness? Will you answer the drawing of my spirit to set aside things that would limit your usefulness in spiritual ways? Would you set aside those things and come into a greater consecration and a greater walking of strength and power so that I could be glorified. Will you agree with me? Will you agree with me? Will you agree with me? 
Will you agree with what I have said about you? Will you agree with my plan? Will you agree with my purpose? Will you agree with my spirit? Because I'm calling a people that will even say, Lord, I'll take time away from even the legitimate pleasures of life. And I'll consecrate myself on another level. I'll consecrate myself to your plan and your desire on another level. I'll be one that will see myself as righteous and I'll intercede for those that are lost. I'll be one to see myself as righteous, and I'll intercede. I'll stand in the gap, and I will ignite the fuse of the Holy Spirit in various situations because of my commitment to what you've asked me to do. And so the Lord says there will be those that will enlist in that group and the result will be great things yes in their lives but great things in the church 
great things in the kingdom. Great things in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Because of a willingness to consecrate. And to say, I'll withdraw from this and give time to you in this. Oh, and you'll see great things. Oh, you'll see great things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Tonight, let's just lift our hands. Thank you, Father. Lord, we receive what you've said. We receive it. Hallelujah. You have our agreement, sir. You have our agreement. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. just hear the Lord saying this if you'll just take some time and set some things away it it may be even something that's it's legitimate it's 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 not sinful but it's something that you set and you say Lord I will set that aside for this period of time I'll consecrate myself during this period of time it may it it may be uh, watching something reading something it could be a meal and you say Lord I'm going to set aside lunch and I'm going to consecrate myself and give you that hour or give you that however long hallelujah and you'll see great things and you'll see great things. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Thank you. Brother Leonard, do you have something? In this consecration, be mindful to do more than just research, read, and study and acquire an accumulation of knowledge. Purpose to spend time in meditation as our brain send and you discover information. So from meditation, your time of meditation will produce or yield revelation. And that revelation is for the purpose of application and for some proclamation. And from the application and the proclamation, yes, there will be many manifestations, but in the midst, it will come even a greater revelation of me and who I am. Remember, you're in Christ and Christ is in you. Be mindful that you 
are in the kingdom, and the kingdom is in you. I said in Daniel 11 and 32, they that do know their God shall be strong, and they shall do exploits. It is time to strengthen and establish yourself in me. Be established in the revelation of who I am in you and who you are in me. Know your position in me, but be mindful of my position in you. For Christ in you was the hope of glory and still is. You are not only in Christ, but you are seated in Christ. Be mindful of your position and operate in that position in Christ. It will all come from your personal consecration. Set your eyes upon me. Attune your ear to my voice. And I will show you how to walk into the most magnificent time of manifestation and proclamation and sharing of my gospel and sharing of my kingdom and not only receiving but doing for I've told you that you are blessed to be a blessing and this is your time to be the greatest blessing that you've ever been and remember I told you a few months ago for this house things would begin in the month of March you are at the door so press in (laughs) press in don't allow March to be an end let it be the beginning the launching forth raise your expectation and watch as you testify and participate in great manifestations manifestations of my glory my purpose my will Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we receive your word. We receive your word in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just say it out loud. Say, Lord, I receive it. Lord, I receive it. Hallelujah. I receive Hallelujah. It. March is the beginning. Launching. Just the beginning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God is so good. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Yes. Hallelujah. Me too. Hallelujah.